0: Welcome to this, a brand new addition to the Mastercox channel and various podcasting outlets throughout the world. You are finding us both here up on the lookout. Yes, indeed, a brand new podcast show hosted by myself and my trusty researcher pal all the way from another land. Havelock. Hello, it's me. Yes, and this isn't like your standard what if round table scenario. No, today this is more like a more relaxed look because we're here up on the lookout. It's a little bit breezy, a um, little bit chill, quiet. You know, Dende's off doing his own thing, making the rumor, spirit, and time even less relevant and risk free. know, health and safety these days. But that's besides the point. What we're here today, we're just going to be talking about random Dragon Ball stuff because The Lookout is part of the franchise. So the purpose of this podcast is just to talk about things that have been going on in the Dragon Ball world, news related topics, the manga if it's out, which this time indeed is the case, as well as just any type of article or thing Dragon Ball related we find particularly interesting, as well as maybe doing a little bit of a deep dive into the inner thinkings of one of our recent videos on the channel. So what do you think about this, Havrog? Do you think we're ready to get started? I think so, and I cannot wait to get started. Well, that's great. So if you like what you are hearing, please do leave a like or a comment or Whatever is available on like iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you find this podcast, it's very nice to have you here, and we hope that you do continue to tune in or listen in or whatever you choose to do with this medium. Right, let's begin. Alright, like I just said before, there has been a brand new addition to the Dragon Ball Super Manga. Chapter 60 came out on the day we are recording this on Wednesday the 20th of May 2020 that's a lot of 20s and i like the fact that it's on 20th of every month
1: i really like this chapter and I, I think i think you did as well there are some minor things i can say you know that weren't quite good but we'll get to them but overall like I really like Vegeta's arc in in uh in, in, in you know in Morosaga so far. I think I think he becomes one of the most complete characters and I think Toyotaro is trying to take him out of those rails of g- repeating the same character development, you know, for the sake of nostalgia. Just nice. Yes. Yes.
0: No, definitely. Because um I felt like with this arc and this particular chapter, there is really a lot going for Vegeta. And there are lots of things that before you could even like think, well, wait a minute, that doesn't really work like that. You just think, oh, okay. It's explained very quickly. Like, um, spoilers, by the way, if you haven't read the chapter or if you haven't caught up with the manga, I seriously do recommend it. It is available on Viz's website and you can get access to Shonen Jump for about maybe a couple of bucks a month to all of their content, including My Hero Academia if you wanted to. And this isn't a plug. I'm not sponsored by Viz Media, but I just think it's very, very neat to have all of this really at your fingertips pretty quickly, really. You know, 4pm UK time every month, you get a new super chapter and everything else I guess you pretty much get to read for free. I mean, the last couple of chapters have been very action packed, pretty much ever since Morrow's galactic prisoner gang arrived on Earth. There's always been some action. It's not really been all that talky, save for Weefs and Miris doing their Supreme Kai impression at being on the sacred world of Akai's or some heavenly area and looking at a viewing globe.
1: Yeah, you know, like, like, uh, true, there were action packed, but I had that little feeling that they started to stall. Oh, yeah, you have that action, yeah, but like, you know, it's that sort of stalling of, uh, you know, uh, making you seem that something's happened, but really stalling for more important stuff. You had a lot of fights, but. They weren't that meaningful in the end, you know, like th- th- that's the little problem I had that you, you could see that Toyotaro is st- stalling for more time and more chapters.
0: Yes, um, I feel like the pacing was a lot faster in this chapter, certainly, because when the revelation about, oh, the Yardratians can't leave the planet... Uh It made me realize, oh, no, that means Vegeta has to learn or he has to find a way. And I thought, oh, no, that's going to probably mean like, oh, yeah, I'm ready to come back in this chapter. Oh, no, wait, you have to wait another chapter. Oh, gosh, darn it. You thought it was going to be one of those things, delaying things. But no, he quickly learned it. And I think I saw a tweet um from Karthu's dojo, and he actually was able to make a parallel on the Saiyan saga. Um, how basically Vegeta derided Goku for training and stuff like that. But now, right at that moment, he actually realized how good Kakarot was and actually respected him for training. He actually finally understood. So, yeah, good on Karthu for spotting that. So credit where
1: credit's due right there. Yeah, and Pibara even, you know, even shown that... You know, Vegeta is a prodigy and born of his hard work, which is very ironic when we consider Vegeta at the point when we met him. So it's almost like, you know, it tells about that Vegeta has been literally
0: rebirth. It goes into what you've been suggesting for a very long time, in that this is pretty much the precursor to End of Z Vegeta. We needed that spark, that catalyst, and this training could be it. As in, this is finally Vegeta understanding why Goku is so prodigious.
1: Little thing like, you know, that Vegeta took the time to say, I appreciate everything, Hatsuka, uh, Paibara. He was very cordial with the Yard for Vegeta i th- I, th- I think i think he gets them and they get him in a very weird way you know like i think I, I i think i think they get him better than they get goku which is something that i really really like
0: yeah i mean the way that the Yardratians strike me is that they're very very perceptive creatures and they also The reason probably why they're not allowed to leave, it's either something that's self-imposed, or I can imagine that the Galactic Patrol have probably told them, no, you can't do this. This will actually cause a lot of havoc, and this is a very broken mechanic. I mean, honestly, ultimately, that all falls apart because they eventually become a taxi service in Dragon Ball Online. But right now, they're pretty much restricted to being on Yardrat so long as they know that... Someone out there they've met they can go. That's a loophole.
1: Also, the sass of Vegeta at the end—that's some very cool old school Vegeta. We haven't seen that. I think since Cell Saga to that extent. Hmm. Yeah, like
0: stuff like that, and you can really imagine Brian Drummond bringing up the sass factor. Uh, I still, I still go on the fact that Morrow to me needs a Scottish accent. He needs a distinctive tone. You know, just something to really kind of differentiate himself from the typical villain. Because right now, and this is something I really picked up, um, that Moro right now, he's not being like any other villain I remember. As in, he is totally in control. And he knows what he's doing. And Goku isn't enjoying this fight at all.
1: Yeah, the point is that they cannot gang up on him because he will get stronger.
0: Now, yeah, exactly, because he may want to keep it one-on-one, but if like Gohan or Piccolo decided to jump on him, he'll just take their energy. Or sneaking up on us, are we? Yeah, he just like, try and do that and get your energy drained, and then it'll just make the life for Goku even harder but yeah no. Goku throughout all of this he didn't really show any like excitement towards this fight in this part when he was losing he wasn't getting a thrill of the battle or anything like that no he was getting frustrated and really angry and that's like you could chalk that up maybe it's like oh no you know the world's in danger but even then and even when the universe was at risk that didn't really stop him from having fun And yeah, this is a different Goku and it's affecting him differently. And I think this is why Moro is going to actually be remembered for quite a while.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cathartic, uh, actually. Like, I think he's different Goku because, see, Moro isn't, you know, like, he isn't a guy that uh, admires martial, martial arts in any way. Like this, he, he is smug and and he's able to, you know, to play with Goku Goku's smugness. The Goku charm doesn't want, work on him, you know? And he's like, mm, okay, I guess I you're pretty powerful, but I guess I underestimate you. <laughs> Moro has some really cool smug things. However, I must say that I think one of the f- things I didn't like about, you know, from Goku's point of view is, uh Goku's side maybe, is, you know, that... Ultra Instinct devolved into another generic, you know, power up. Now, I absolutely agree with you there, mate,
0: because it, it, but the thing is, though, this is the typical tradition in Dragon Ball, you know, power up one upmanship, you know, it's like maybe this power is going to be the ultimate technique and power that you can have for maybe, I don't know, an arc, 30, 40 episodes, maybe before it then gets superseded with something else. There is the only thing now that could be consistently great is fusion. That's the only thing that can pretty much win everything. But even then. So you gotta really do it quickly, or else you're kind of up the swanny.
1: Yeah, but the point is, you know, like Goku, which which uh lacking is noted by the characters, I think. Uh, either Miros or Ruiz uh, notices this, that they don't he doesn't really use Ultra Instinct as it is supposed to work, you know, like he's like, if uh, I would tell somebody, oh, this is Kaioken, somebody who didn't know what Ultra Instinct is, they, they would believe seeing the pictures. Oh yeah, that's, that's Kaioken, Goku is using Kaioken because it lost, it. I know that it's kind of harder to show it, you know, in, in the manga than in an animation, but like, This doesn't work like the Ultra Instinct we saw, you know, during the T.O.P., which is pretty, pretty funny to me.
0: To me, it feels like Mirus has kind of given Goku not necessarily a power boost, but he has facilitated Ultra Instinct sign for Goku so he can actually use it. So it just means that it's available to him at any time, but... If he had more time, then Goku could probably tap into Mastered Ultra Instinct all the time. You know, they obviously didn't have enough, you know, hours or days or whatever to be able to do that. So Goku was going in there half-baked and Miris thought, oh, there might be one way of doing it. But then he forgot, oh, yeah, this is Goku. He doesn't really get told what to do. So, (laughs) unfortunately, yeah, Goku was just like... Yeah, you know what? I
1: don't really care. I'm just gonna do it my way. Yeah. Also, have you noticed that we may get a little hint of what Vegeta's force might be? We haven't seen it working, but we see all those, you know, copied uh, Yardratians, you know, being uh, quite beaten up and being unable to to stand. I think I may have an idea what that might be. Oh, do do tell, do tell. I think Vegeta would be able to block Moro's. Powers and key.
0: Oh, okay. So this is like an as-of-yet unknown Yardratian power, like probably key key suppression? Yeah. Because there is key projection. Yeah, yeah. Key suppression. Key suppression naturally. So unlike Android 21 that did it via machines, this time it's all done around using, you know, using energy to cancel it out. So maybe this is yeah a power that was otherwise unknown to us, so maybe all those other like you know kind of shop parlor powers that we saw was a red herring. It was all a decoy. that's a really good theory have I mean yeah, if that were the case, then maybe they were able to find a way to you know cancel out key and prevent people from moving. then I think that's really the only way aside from overloading Moro with power, which seems pretty much impossible. Um, That's the only way. And if Vegeta can do it, then, I mean, even if it means that Goku can get the final strike, but if Vegeta can get, like, the ultimate crucial assist that cannot be done by anyone else,
1: I'll take that. Again, like, because uh, they don't feel the strength increase. And I think that's because there's no really a strength increase but might be, you know, a new method of dealing with the opponents. And when you see on those Yardratians, they like, they don't look terribly beaten, but they have problems standing back. They are laying on their backs, you know? They have problem moving, so. Or something even more cool, like to uh, make uh, opponents collapse under the under the weight of their own power.
0: Oh, ironic punishment. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think it's something like that. Like, that would be a very Vegeta thing to do.
0: Oh, yes, of course. But the one thing I noticed a lot of people being worried about is that Vegeta did his signature thumbs up. And... Everyone who knows about Dragon Ball is that if he does that, he does ultimately lose. Um, Hopefully, maybe Toriyotaro is aware of this and he's going like, you know what? Let's play with the people's minds and let's throw them for a loop again. And,
1: you know, have Vegeta actually win or not lose at the very least. Yeah, Can we talk about Beerus in this one? Because pe- people interpret it in the way that oh, I want so food, stop stop looking at Earth. But I think that he doesn't want to hear about it because he's worried. We can see Amirus and Whis being quite shocked at what's happening. Well, quite shocked for angels, you know. And Beerus being like looking pretty grim, you know? Like, some people think that maybe Beerus will join the fray, maybe, uh, you know, like, maybe the fact that Whis is telling, oh, yes, you know, only Omni King or Lord Beerus can do something about this. You know, that maybe Beerus will step in, and maybe, you know, like, it may change with Vegeta getting an upper hand over Moro, and Moro managing to, you know, drink some of that sweet, sweet Beeruski. That might be interesting in of itself, but to me,
0: my interpretation of that was that Miris wants to go back and help in some way. And Whis is suddenly being all high and mighty and just going like, we angels are not supposed to interfere. And uh, it's like, uh, guys, you've been interfering not, I mean, not as much as Miras has, but you've been active. You've been actively hanging out with these mortals. So you really shouldn't be ones to talk. But this could be a very interesting start of maybe Wees and Beerus realizing that they've gotten too chummy with these people. And this might lead to the fact that in the end of Z, there is no sign of them at all. So... Yeah, this could be the beginning of the end of their involvement with these Saiyans. Because what else? What else can they be taught? Because they now know how to access God Key. Super Saiyan Blue can be refined because Vegeta can do it. They now know Ultra Instinct, and Ultra Instinct is meant to be the pinnacle. That's what meant. GODs are meant to know. That's what they're meant to have all the time. So what else is we got there to teach? The only way that you know he. Goku can stay in the fraternity is going to the GP and being trained under him, which has long been a theory of mine and something that has been teased in Super Dragon Ball Heroes and didn't really amount to anything because of lags.
1: Uh, Again, I feel that Beerus, like, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't show it outside, but I, I, I think, I think he's feeling similar to Mirus in that, in, in that scene, but he doesn't want to admit it. Like, Beerus is also a big sonder. Come on. You, we could see it with his brother, Shampa. We could see it, you know with him reacting to Goku seemingly dying during TLP. I think he's just trying to change the subject. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. And, you know, like, he can always brush it off as, oh, well, I was just worried about delicious food on Earth, obviously. I wasn't
0: worried about you guys. That That's very true, because, you know, oh, when in doubt, just hide behind the food. I mean, that that's pretty much what he does all the time. So, yeah, no, absolutely, that's a fair point. Absolutely. But I think... In closing, this manga chapter has addressed the whole issue of pacing. The pacing was a lot better in this one, and the action was very fluid. If this ever gets animated, I'm sure it's going to look absolutely splendid. Like, it allows itself into the Shintani art school of design? Absolutely. So, realistically... I personally think that maybe the last chapter will be the final one in terms of like the main content, and it'll lead to you know maybe sixty two being like the aftermath and stuff like that, and maybe a couple of filler arcs in chapter sixty three. But either way, I think we're almost there at the
1: end game. Well, I, I agree with you. We are on the end game, but I think we didn't. We we haven't seen Morrow's final form yet. That's my theory.
0: Because what we've seen before is that he gets younger and younger with all of his transformations. Do we then get to see the perfect baby Moro? Kid, Kid Moro, no! No, 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 it's Moro baby because, you know, baby Yoda and baby Sonic and baby Mr. Peanut. That That's trending, yeah. <laughs> We're now moving on to... Something I really wanted to discuss, and this comes from the Tao of Dragon Ball, and it's a friend of the channel, Derek Padula. He does a lot of books about Dragon Ball language and culture, and one of his books, Dragon Soul, talks to many different fans across the world, myself included, about what Dragon Ball means to them. And quite clearly, Dragon Ball means a lot to a lot of people, but... A very, very, I don't want to say controversial, but very, very bold interview from Akira Toriyama's standing editor, Kazuhiko Torishima, actually really blows the door open in terms of, you know, what the higher-ups think. And Derek has actually produced a short little audio clip about his thoughts on all the topics in this particular article, so we shall cut to that
2: and he can say his piece. Hey Lawrence, thanks for having me on your show. Uh, this is a really interesting article about torishima san isn't it? I feel like there's so much that can be said, uh, so many different angles to look at his comments from, and I've received hundreds of comments from Dragon Ball fans all over the world reacting to... <laughs> What some perceive is just a flat out insult uh, from Toroshima-san to other Dragon Ball fans, and others feel is just a matter-of-fact statement. You know, this is the editor of Dragon Ball telling you that Dragon Ball means nothing and that you should not analyze it and that there are no lessons to be learned from it and that it's just a funny comic and there's nothing more to it, you know, and they accept that. I have a hard time accepting that given who I am and what I do because uh, I <laughs> analyze Dragon Ball for a living. I was given it by a Italian fan who contacted me on my Facebook page and he said, hey, I want to translate your books into Italian because you wrote so much about Torishima-san and his relationship with Toriyama and the creation of Dragon Ball. And I thought that was so fascinating uh, that I I was tempted to, you know, write my own book about it, but I just felt like yours was so thorough. There's no way I could do it better. But by the way, there's this interview you should check out where he talks about Fist of the North Star, Hokuto no Ken, and how that influenced Dragon Ball. So I was reading through it and I was translating it as I went and I was like, yeah, that's fascinating that he used Fist of the North Star for the action scenes in the Tenkaichi Budokai origin. But there's a lot more fascinating things besides Fist of the North Star here. Uh, Like the fact that he said Dragon Ball is meaningless and there's nothing to learn from it. And I know, you know, because I've written about him, I know how he feels and I know how he speaks. He's very blunt and direct. But to just come out and say that repeatedly... To even have that attitude about a work that you have been so interwoven with for the last 35 years. And if you count Dr. Slump, you know, in the last 40 years, how can you not understand the effect that it's had on other people? How can you be so distant from it uh disconnected you know at this point haven't you just you know been curious to look at your own work to read it to to understand why people love it so much not just in japan but you know in countries all over the world hundreds of millions of people like why does it sell so much is it just because of the action just because it's funny just because it's got nice art like how can you not Be curious to understand your own art and the way that it's affected other human beings. So that's that's what was so bewildering to me. And I was just trying to wrap my head around that. It's not so much the comments themselves, because I don't agree with what he said. And I think Dragon Ball is extremely meaningful. And there was a poll that just came out in Japan that showed that Japanese citizens believe that Dragon Ball is the number three most meaningful manga and anime of all time okay, it was it was uh, Kochi Kame was number one about the policeman in Japan, and then Slam Dunk was number two, but four votes behind Slam Dunk was Dragon Ball. So Dragon Ball could have easily been number two with a few more votes. And it's like, yeah, the Japanese people get it. And so I just think it's so interesting the way that he doesn't understand what the fans feel. He hasn't shown any signs of understanding it. When I was, I was translating, it, I'm like, okay, this is an important article and I need to pay real attention to this and I make sure I get all the translations right so people don't misquote it. So I spent a lot of time on that and I feel like people are getting it. You know, people are reacting to it. Uh, I posted it on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Reddit and Consenshu and you know, a lot of different Reactions, but I think like 80% of people disagree with him. And of those, the majority strongly disagree with him saying he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Other people are more moderate saying, yeah, it's, it's a children's manga. So you kind of have to accept that it's not going to be the deepest thing in the world. And others are the other 20% are saying, yeah, he's right. And I'm so glad that he's finally come out and said this, uh, because I'm getting tired of all the people out there trying to intellectualize Dragon Ball. I think people, some people, tell me they were hurt by it. They connect with Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball is a part of them. It's who they are. And the, the meaning of Dragon Ball is what it we make of it as individuals. Even if Toriyama San says it, there is no meaning, we as viewers interpret the artwork created by Toriyama and the writing that uh, you know the two of them worked on together in our own way. And it can mean whatever we want it to mean. And for some of us, it's extremely meaningful. I know many people who wouldn't even be alive today if it weren't for Dragon Ball. So, you know, when torishima san says, there's no life lessons in it, well, he's just flat out wrong. There's so many different examples of ways that Dragon Ball have inspired artists and philosophers, YouTubers like yourself, cosplayers, you know, voice actors like yourself, all these people all over the world have been inspired by Dragon Ball because there's substance to it. You know, he says there's no substance. It's like, how can you say that? That there's no substance. I mean, it's not like it's a Sunday funnies comic, you know? It's not like somebody drew a little doodle and then you can you can snicker at it and then walk away. Like this is a narrative story that goes on for years and years, and we grow up with it. So of course it's going to mean something, and it's filled with thousands of years of cultural symbols and religious artifacts and spiritual concepts. You guys gonna say that none of that has any meaning? Like, well, then life and human existence doesn't have any meaning. You know, there's no no culture. There's there's no Japanese culture and Chinese culture and Western culture and the way the Toriyama fuses it all together. None, you're saying that none of that exists. That just doesn't make sense to me. So, but I also get that he's a businessman. He's an editor. He's trying to get a product out that sells and makes a profit for the company. So they can continue to pay for all the employees who make their livelihood from doing this. So they can sustain their family and live the lives that they want to live. And so I guess for some of them, it's not art and it's not, it's certainly not high art that they might conceive it as produces a profit and then they move on, Um, you know. And, and looking back at Torashima San's history, when he first started at Shueisha, he wanted to work at Playboy. He he wanted to work on sophisticated articles. But then he gets assigned to Shonen Jump. Of course, he's going to be <laughs> uh, of a different mind, right? He's not going to want to work on that. And maybe that's still true today. Maybe he never liked manga. Maybe he never enjoyed Shonen Jump and didn't appreciate Akira Toriyama's work as art. Maybe he just thought of it as a product that you could sell. And he could fatten his own bank account with his his partnership with Toriyama and Shueisha, and however that worked. Uh, and now he's the CEO of Haku Sensha, another big manga publisher. Maybe he doesn't like that either. Maybe it's just business for him. Maybe none of this is art. I really am curious to know how he feels about this. And I'd also like to know how he feels about the reaction to this because the original Japanese article, it only had like four comments on it. It seemed like nobody cared, but my translation is getting a lot of traction. And it seems like a lot of people around the world are are responding to this in a strong way um on one side of the spectrum or the other people are are emphatic about it and it's easy to understand why so i look forward to seeing what other people have to say about it especially in the comments of your video i want to see what people think um you know from a wide array of perspectives and uh thank you for allowing me to come on and talk about this i think it's a really interesting piece of history here and time will tell how this affects the fandom so thanks, Lawrence, and have a good
0: one. This article was an interview that was done back in October 2019 uh, with the people that developed many of the Naruto games and .hack, and even actually Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. So probably this was like in on uh, this blog that was in the run-up to Kakarot coming out. And, you know, there were there were some things in, initially in the interview that did You know, carry over from what Toriyama said in the past that Dragon Ball wasn't popular to begin with. And, you know, the first arc, you know, needed to be changed up. Otherwise, it was going to fail. So that was all very true. But then you get to the point where Toroshima just goes, like, there is no meaning to it. It's meaningless, effectively. I think, uh, you know, they kind of act very like. apathetically towards it like saying these quotes these are sizzle quotes there is nothing to learn from Dragon Ball and so you see there's nothing in it to analyze uh which I personally think is a load of bull and I think this is something we actually talked about in our retcons video right at the end in that it's all about generational stuff as you know it's all about like you know our generation sees Dragon Ball one way and maybe the older generation sees it in a different way but Torishima in this article was basically saying, and I'll leave a link to the original post from Derek, that he basically saw what was going on in the Fist of the North Star manga and the anime and just thought, yeah, I want some of that. Let's just do that. And to say this right now, after 35 years of this manga and this series being a thing, why? Why? Just...
1: I don't get it, Haverock. You read the article. I mean, what was your what was your take on it? To me, you know, uh, listen, Kazuhiko uh, Toroshima is is a guy who cared for how the manga would sell, and if it was popular with people, he really doesn't care, you know, about any uh, any meanings and any cultural con- uh, you know context. I don't think he even considers the basic definition of interpretation, which is like reading the cultural text in all available, you know, uh, cultural symbols, you know, and the contexts. And I would say that you, 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 can, you, you can read Dragon Ball in many cultural contexts. It's not a very deep story, but it doesn't have to be deep to be pretty educational uh, in case of cultural context so you know like i I, like again i feel that he he didn't really care i don't think that toriyama cared either they are not uh, artistic souls you know they are uh, craftsmen and I think that good craftsmanship work can lead to something really great and really amazing. And also that some things that are so obvious for them will be pretty enlightening to, to, to people all over the world, you know?
0: Yeah. Now, that's that's absolutely fair, because in the end, this is meant to be a manga and a series which is meant to make money. And it did. And the, the choices that Toroshima made worked out. They really helped. And as we've known, Toroshima is one of the few people that can make Toriyama actually work and do stuff. So, yeah, credit where credit's due there. That's absolutely true. And this article doesn't mean that, oh, Toroshima should be condemned or anything like that. This just goes to show that, any meaning that is taken from it has to be really, really thought through. And I know that a lot of critics of Dragon Ball will just be rubbing their hands with glee and saying, like, oh, this just proves it. Dragon Ball is, you know, absolute, you know, fluff and it's really not worth getting in a flap about. Not a lot of things, especially in creative media, they're not like by circumstance or anything like that or by coincidence. Like, for example, I've recently finished writing part seven of Freezer Turned Good, one of the what-ifs. And basically, I was like trying to like give some cowboy bebop outlaw star vibes from my crew in that series. I'm inspired by it. And I wish to create meaning that feels pretty much in keeping with Dragon Ball, because it's still meant to be a Dragon Ball what if. But obviously. Hark to some of the anime series of around the time DBZ was a thing, like around the mid to late 90s. So it's all about context and it's all about inspiration. And yeah, Toroshima does talk about inspiration, but he was basically kind of just going, I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna copy it if things came at the right time and different time. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure might have actually figured into Dragon Ball's history in some way. Hirohiko Araki, maybe. I don't know. And that's not just because I watched JoJo or anything like that. It's just it came out around about the mid-80s. You know, 1987 and stuff like that. Yeah, the Dragon Ball manga had already been well established. But Toroshima, looking at the pulse of manga, it's very, very possible that another manga could have taken his fancy. And, yeah. And to be honest... If Dragon Ball had failed, I mean, Toriyama would have still been a very wealthy man from Dr. Slump. He'd have either done something else, done another series, or he would have probably retired. Just doing like, you know, working on Dr. Slump. Just more Dr. Slump, pretty much. I think Torishima would have just gone like, nah, that Dragon Ball thing doesn't work. Let's just bring back Dr. Slump and stuff like that. Yeah, let's just do a spin-off. Dr. Slump Z or something like that
1: may a cultural thing or you know just person just his personal thing because uh you know T- T- Toroshima had had very specific reputation even from Toriyama Autorial intent is rarely taken into consideration when reading text of culture like do we really know what homer uh, thought you know when he supposed supposedly wrote odyssey and you know and, uh, uh Iliad, we, we, we can try and analyze interpretations of people from the later days, but we will never be sure. And that doesn't stop people from analyzing and using it. And, you know, like, 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 we got things like, like Ulysses, which is basically. Uh, from James Joyce, which is basically in his modern times, rare reading of Odyssey. We talked about th- th- this recently, recently, uh, with, with Lucia, our, our friend and actress for our r r trunks that, you know, it's kind of amazing how Toriyama took Journey to the West, you know, which was basically, uh, like, Fantasied up version of Adventures of a Real Monk. And that's I I think that's amazing. And to say that there is nothing to learn from it. I mean, again, I, I uh, listen, uh, Toroshima, I'm glad that you made your money f- on Dragon Ball. I really do, but I think you don't give your work enough credit. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it should have been like
0: Toriyama there as well, probably fighting his own corner. But at this time... I don't think he is really that bothered. I mean, he's made his millions, probably billions of yen from Dragon Ball, Dr. Slump, whatever he does, even Jarko in some way. But, you know, that's it. That He doesn't really mind. I mean, you know, something tells me he might just do one big interview, like one last one, and then retire for good, probably, before he you know passes or whatever. But really... I recommend that you read this article because it is very, very incendiary initially, but it's not as drastic as you think, but it's, it's more, it's more disappointing. And it just really reminds you that at the end of the day, at places like Shueisha and places where they do manga and comic books and stuff like that, it's all down to what will sell because you could make an absolute masterpiece. You could make something that is really funny, but if it doesn't tick the boxes and it doesn't work well with focus groups and optics and basic ratings, especially back in the 80s when that mattered even more, you're done. You're pretty much done. And you have to adapt. If your editor tells you, you need to change this to make it more like that, you need to be, yes, okay, I will. The only few people that can basically say, forget that I'm doing it my way are like people like Oda, Kishimoto, Araki, all the big wigs, like all the big mangaka. They can basically go, I'm doing what I want. And they will go, yeah, okay." So that's pretty much my take of it. I again ask you and recommend to read the article from Derek. And we'll move on to the next uh, subject of the podcast. And that's kind of taking uh, what if we talked more about a what if or discussion?
1: Well, I'm kind of interested how people will react to the upcoming discussion about dragon villains being too simple. and But I don't want to take too much of the stuff that's in the actual discussion.
0: Well, it'll be okay because by the time this comes out, it'll um it will have actually been out because, you know, as we're recording it, that discussion comes out tomorrow. So, we can talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> ah, uh, oh, no pun intended. Oh, uh, okay. That was no pun intended there, folks. Yeah,
1: so to get, you know, to the meat and potatoes of uh, of, of everything, of everything, like, I often see a critique against Moro that he's, oh, too simple, he doesn't have any deep motivation. And I'm like, how many Dragon Ball villains really have deeper motivation? Really? Really? Dr. G somehow, but we learn it through, you know, through extra media and he's still a horrible, horrible person, which completely takes from his sympathetic side. Kind of a Vegeta, but we don't, uh, but not really like he, he, like he was a brat as a kid as well. and He didn't really care that much of losing his family. But at least he redeemed himself. He redeemed
0: himself at the very least. Um, then, of course, there's, don't forget, there's Zamasu. And that, to me, strikes me as Dragon Ball's interpretation of a modern villain in an anime. As in, they have to basically, if this was animated by Madhouse or stuff like that, Zamasu would fit in perfectly. Because he is this bastion of justice. He talks about morality. The relationship between deities and the living creatures, what is justice, what is good, what is evil. And it's very, very interesting to see this level of debate in a Sunday morning cartoon show. But you forget this is a Sunday morning cartoon show, Zama, So Calm down. Like, calm down, mate. You know, You don't need to go this philosophical and this deep. This isn't a
1: primetime show. And, you know, you are supposed to be sympathetic, you know, towards him. But I I, I thought that was the intention. But it like Zamasu is kind of, a, you know, a jerk from the very beginning. Yeah, it's, um, it's very, very much the case of he is an absolute
0: jerk for a long time. And it's only after a couple of years away from that manga arc and that series arc that you actually start to think you know what Zamasu's not that bad you know he's still a jerk and it felt really good when Beerus said Hakai at him that felt really good And I'm pretty sure a lot of other people thought the same way. Yeah, I can't be
1: all too mad at him anymore. But he was probably the most complex villain in a while. But that didn't work in his favor, sadly. Like again, I kind of like him. He's kind of unique, and I think I think like he's worthy of being called a Dragon Ball villain, you know. But certainly, you know, better than most of the movie villains. Like I get that you guys have issues with manga. Like it's it's not perfect by any any means, but like to to toss shade on 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 Moro, which can also be thrown on Cell and Frieza. You know that first panel of
0: Goku sensing his energy and being scared of it. Like Moro was like. Oh hi there you beastie. And then like basically Goku's like, whoa! He he was spooked by it. Like this was enough to really give him the gibleys, and that is a pretty big deal. Like how lately in the manga Whis is actually showing concern. And I've always said this: having Whis show concern, and slight worry, is a big deal. And these little subtle moments where you know characters act slightly differently. That's the impact. It's not necessarily what Moro does directly. Because in the manga chapters, he doesn't really do much lately. He just is there to fight. And that is what he does. But it's how he makes people react. And how he makes people think differently. And they have to think differently. They can't just hit him really hard. Because that doesn't work. And it's... All about, they have to think different. And that is what Morrow's legacy will be. Because he will lose, but he was a different kind of villain. But also, fairly straightforward. He basically wanted all the worlds. He wanted a very big meal. He was Galactus, pretty much. Galactus in ram form.
1: Yeah, but Galactus, you know, like like Galactus without the whole force of nature, and you know.
0: Oh yeah, it's a very as you say simplified for Dragon Ball because you, I mean there is that Marvel connection, obviously with uh, Toriyoshi as we all know,
1: <laughs> pretty pretty famous one. <coughs>
0: uh, yeah, yeah, of course we won't say more about that, but you know he does like his Marvel, so it's not potentially far fetched. Or even surfetched. I got that in before. Because I know that's your uh, favorite Pokemon at the moment. Or it's one of your favorites. One yeah, of yeah. one
1: of this, yeah. One yeah, no, favorites. but
0: it's certainly very much to talk about in that, you know, the villains of Dragon Ball, they aren't that complex and they don't need to be. Motion. They're children,
1: charming. They are, Exce- yeah, exactly. Ex- They're memorable. Acceptable. Except, except, except <clears throat> don't at me, don't hate me. But I think Moro is a league better villain than than Majin Bu ever was. Well,
0: at that point, at that point, as we discuss in the video tomorrow, um, Toriyama didn't care. Toriyama was like, I don't care. This is just like I am basically venting my frustration out in this chaotic form. Pretty much. And Yukondo, the editor at the time, was like, Yeah, Mr. Toriyama, you do what you want. Because they just wanted to keep him around for another couple of years. And it worked. Toriyama being able to do what he wanted. It worked um, in terms of keeping people happy. But looking back on it 25 years later, eh, Not too sure whether this has aged well. Mm, not sure. But yeah, the majority of the villains are memorable. They are not forgetful. Even the GT villains are actually somewhat unforgettable, um, except for Super 17. That was just, a that was weird. I mean, he's, he's unforgettable, but for wrong reasons. Yeah, it's like you want to forget him. Yeah, so unfortunately that is the case. But in terms of that, you don't, in a Shonen series, need to have really difficult, complex villains, unless you want to be like the Seven Deadly Sins approach and stuff like that where you have that, you know, fantasy aspect, and you can go a little bit deeper. But for your typical, like, you know, your Yu-Gi-Oh's, your Naruto's, you can go deep if you want to. But ultimately, they're bad guys that you are going out to punch, and punch and hopefully win. That's pretty much it. So with Dragon Ball, it was one of the first, so it could keep to a very, very basic formula and people would be okay with it. I think now this is actually a good way to sign everything off for the podcast, but if you liked this formula, do let us know down in the comments and please be sure to, you know, share this podcast with people that you know like Dragon Ball and whether you'd be interested for more of these and we'll have this up on the channel and in various places. Yeah, if you guys want us to invite someone and try to get them, yeah. Here. if you'd like us to have a guest to join us for a particular topic then
1: we are more than happy to look into it we already have some people that you know have shown interest so
0: you know oh, yeah exactly so you never know so do let us know what you
1: think of this and
0: we hope to see you once again up
1: on the lookout take care everyone take care be like goku and punch evil guys in the face